This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. You know, I think we really need like a good trendy name for our listeners. (laughs) Uh, What do you want to call them? I don't know. You guys let us know. Email us. Uh, message us on Facebook uh, for the listeners to Practicing Presence. Email us. Let us know what you guys want to be called. The Practitioners. Boom. That's actually not a bad one. Um, you know, that's not a bad one. Uh, yeah. Let us know if you like the Practitioners or Practitioners. Um yeah, that's really not a bad one. You know, um, yeah. I was worried about where that was going to go, but yeah, that's actually, <laughs> that's not half bad, Clayton. <laughs> uh, I come up with a good one every now and then. Yeah. You know, these, uh, uh, all these YouTube channels and podcasts out there, like uh, Dak Shepard's podcast, uh, he calls all of his listeners um, the armchairies because they're the, the name of the podcast is Armchair Experts. Oh, and you know, you got the, the whiskey tribe people that I talked about on, uh, uh, pints and perspectives. They call their listeners magnificent bastards. Um, and then you have, um, uh, you know, good mythical morning, the mythical beasts. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just sitting here thinking like, we need something like that. Cause when we come on, I'm like, Hey y'all, what's going on? It doesn't work. It'd be so much cooler if I could just go. What's going on, practitioners? Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, and definitely let us know because uh, if you don't, we're just probably going to adopt that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually think that that's not a bad thing to do uh, for sure, the practitioners. I like it. I yeah. like it. Good job. Thank you. A squirrel gets a nut every once in a while. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. This is the contemplative today. Yeah. This may be, and if you are contemplative, you're going to be like, no, you idiot. This is not, this is the easiest one to understand. For me, this is a really hard one to understand. I'm not uh, the contemplative by any means. Now I have moments of contemplation, but I definitely tend more to like meditation rather than contemplation. And I do think there's a a line there. I don't know that Gary has the line as hard as I would myself draw it, but the contemplative is Definitely the one that's the most difficult for me. Um, in the context of how Gary is talking about it, yeah, probably for me too. Yeah, I think because um, we can talk about contemplation in an abstract way, like I can contemplate on God. Yeah, if we do it that way, you're there. I'm absolutely contemplative. Although that but, might fit into next week's episode more. Well, it it really does. That one is uh, a bit different because that one's more about study, right? Rather than like just abstract thought. Mm. Um, but 
in the way that Gary talks about contemplation, it's literally like it's about adoration, like divine romance, like the metaphor that he uses in the introduction is someone holding hands with God. Yeah. Um, the the document that we've been using um, says that contemplatives love God through adoration. These people worship by their attentiveness, deep love, and intimacy. They have an active prayer life. And by an active prayer life, they're in constant communication. Right? Yeah, but it's not in... It's not in... Like where we would talk about in constant communication, we might think like they're always, you know, they're always doing spontaneous prayer. Right. That's right. absolutely not yeah. what they're doing. They yeah. have, they have a tool belt of prayer that they can pull from different tools in different situations that they need them, which yeah. I think we should all get to that point. I, yeah. We've talked about that before, but if you think that, so for, we always go back to Paul's thing about pray without ceasing. Mm. And as I've looked more and more at that, I'm not totally sure how to translate that. But if there's one thing I know, that's not a good way. Um, yeah, because if you literally pray without ceasing, you don't eat, you don't sleep. You don't share you the do, gospel. You do nothing but pray. Yeah, and the language there is more like don't let anything become an obstacle right? in order for you to pray. Don't let something get in, in the way of your prayer life. Right, exactly. And so we should all get to a point where we have this tool belt. So we've talked about it on here. I really like to use the centering prayer. I like to use the breath prayer. I like to use the examine prayer. I like to use like meditative prayer. Um, I do like to use spontaneous prayer or, um, you know, prayer language. Like I use all of those, but I also like the consistency of praying the hours at lunchtime. Yeah. Right. Like we do should you all only do it at lunchtime or do you yeah. do morning, lunch and evening? No, I only do it at lunchtime. Okay. Um, maybe there will come a time where I do it at morning evening and, and evening. Night. Um, but yeah, I only do it at lunch. Yeah, right now. Um, I try to do it morning, lunchtime, and evening, but um, it gets a bit hard to it do does. that because it takes a lot of dedication. Yeah, um, and if you are very regular to that, you might be the contemplative, um, and maybe you could a bit be. You could a, also be the traditionalist. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It might be a bit of a traditionalist thing as well. Yeah, so I think. One thing that we have to understand about, um, and I'm not good with songs, Clayton, this is your area, but you remember that song, and literally the only thing I remember is like, I don't, I think it was in like a verse of a song. It's like, this is the divine romance. Oh, that was a Hillsong song, I think. Um, yes. I don't, okay. I don't, I don't yeah. remember. But listeners, if you know, uh, let us know. Yeah, um, if you're on YouTube, comment down below. Um, if you're listening on one of the other forms of media. Uh, Message us on social. Yeah, let us know because like, that would actually be super helpful. To yeah, remember. it would. And 
But whatever it is, like that pretty well sums up who the contemplative is. Yeah. They are this person that is 100% given over to adoration of God. Dude, I got it. The This is going to sound... It's going to sound a way that I don't mean it to sound, but it's the, the, the ladies in high school and in college that say... Um, I'm married to Jesus. Uh, yeah. Um, that's and that's it. that's not a pejorative. No, I'm I'm that, literally not meaning it as a pejorative. I'm I'm just saying the truth. Now, I do right? think like, that's it. That language came from purity culture. Which it did. I'm not a hundred percent on board with anymore. Um, not because I'm like, wow, this. I need to clarify this. This went downhill quick. Um, <laughs> there's greater context behind purity culture and what it's done to our women by by prescribing their value based on their sexuality and specifically their innocence related to their sexuality that I think yeah. is unhealthy. It's not to say when I say I'm against purity culture, it's not to say that I think people should just go out having sex, <laughs> but I do think there's a better way to communicate that idea Yes. rather than sex is bad and you're bad. If you do have sex, Yeah. I think there's a better way to communicate that, but yeah, you're right. The, the girls that say I'm married to Jesus, that's a great like kind of catch all phrase for a contemplative. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Um because some people could take that as pejorative because there's lots of Christian memes out there that I mean they're memes, they're jokes, but they make jokes about those girls. Right? Well, and their reason every every decent joke tells a half truth. Yeah. <laughs> Right, that's why yeah. Dave Chappelle is the greatest comedian on the planet. Hundred percent. But I want to I want to hit this idea right out of Gary's chapter in the very beginning. He talks about this story where someone mentions holding hands with God, mm. and he like questions that. But the but the idea is, and this is from Gary's book, as two lovers do nothing but gaze into each other's eyes, so we gaze lovingly at our heavenly Father. And have our heart's delight satisfied. Mm. Um, the contemplative is this person that um, their their first goal is adoring God. Yeah. And there's um, yeah, there's a very um, that's kind of surreal, right? I mean, that's admirable that they are so in love with God that like their primary goal is to just bask in who he is in adoration of him as his being. So we haven't talked about biblical characters that resemble this yet, correct? No, um, because Gary doesn't really provide that to us, and I've racked my brain quite a few times about it, but do you have one? David. Hum. David. He represents some others as well, like probably the ascetic. Um, not the Yeah, no, maybe in some ways, um, but also the sensate in some ways. Um, 
but um, and also, what's the one that's uh, more charismatic? Oh, the enthusiast. The enthusiast. Um, but David also might be an example of this. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, he has lots of love songs about God. Well, not just that. I'm I'm really drawn to when he repents from just that heinous activity that he does with Bathsheba. Mm, yeah. So if you don't know, in in King David's life, he rapes Bathsheba, then kills her husband, so that nobody finds out that he raped her. Yeah. Um. It's a very terrible abuse of power. Um, she got pregnant. During she the gets rape pregnant too. from the rape, and that's why he kills the husband. Yeah, because the husband was at war, so he like there's no way for it to possibly been his. He actually brings the dude home and like tries to get him to sleep with her, and it doesn't work. Um, and so then he has him killed. Actually, Uriah's thing was, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, more or less. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I'm not going to go home and be with my wife while my men are at war. Yeah. Which is what you should have been doing. Yeah. Um, but, so with that, um, after that whole story of David's rape of Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah, when Nathan comes to him and he repents, do you remember what he does? No. He dances in the street naked. Oh, yeah. That's very much so this kind of weird cross between a contemplative and an enthusiast. Yeah. Because even Gary talks about um, some acts of the contemplative, and one of them is the dancing prayer. Mm. And he doesn't, he says, he doesn't actually mean bodily movement, but he means. That just as the woman traditionally allows the man to lead in ballroom dancing, so we allow God to lead in our prayers. Mm. And I do think that is what David is doing in that moment. He's yeah. also going above and beyond, like the enthusiast is coming out of him, uh, in that he's actually dancing. But if you go read the Psalms of David, like that dude is totally given over to God. Yeah, he's absolutely... Yeah. And lots of times he he asks these very like contemplative questions like God where are you yeah and then in the same prayer at the end like I love you anyways or or not even I love you anyways but like oh yeah I feel you now yeah sometimes yeah it's like almost sometimes and I, and I say this a bit jokingly but also not at times David seems like a victim of severe trauma and schizophrenic or PTSD. So he is definitely a victim of severe trauma. Yeah. Um, I would say that he shows more qualities of somebody with like a true, genuine bipolar disorder. Well, um, yeah. Because there's times where he's extremely depressed and then there's times where he's like, boom, go, 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 go. And everything's all good and happy. Yeah. Right? But a lot of that is different seasons of life. Uh, I mean, I guess that's probably fair. Um, Either way, he definitely exhibits someone who's a victim of trauma yeah. in a variety of ways. But 
And so sometimes when you read his Psalms, I'm like, dude, you are on some kind of traumatic roller coaster right now. <laughs> um, but at other times, he definitely seems to be led by God in prayer. He can yeah. show up and begin the conversation in a 180 degree polar opposite position of where he ends, mm-hmm. which is a contemplative. I mean, yeah. and that that's another point. Contemplative, and, and I don't like hear me and yet also don't hear me, but contemplatives pray. Yeah. A lot of these other pathways don't pray. Or at least pray enough. Yeah, I don't know about you. My two pathways, my two primary pathways are the activist and the intellect, which is one we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. Neither one of those make prayer the primary means of formation. Yeah, I think mine are going to be, I haven't taken the test yet. I'm waiting for us to get all the way through these episodes, and then I'm going to go through and figure out what mine are, and then I'll talk about them after we're done. Okay. Like, just briefly introing to the next section that we're going to do. Well, that would be interesting, because then we're going to go into the Enneagram. That's right, and we can see how those connect. Yeah. Um, that's why I did that. See, a squirrel does catch a nut every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> That's great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think currently as we're working through these, um, mine are the activist, um, uh, the sensate, and the intellect. Um, we'll see if that's how it comes out, but I, I think that that's how it breaks down for me. And uh, so that means none of those are, they're not prayer dominated. No, they're and by and large, they're experience dominated. They are um, praying for me. It's hard. I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's hard. Yeah. Well, and that's why written prayers help me so much. That's why I use written prayers. Written prayers help me so much. And you know, if, more more conservative traditions are against getting more conservative editing Cohen start go back and edit all this out and start here more conservative traditions don't like the idea of you getting prayers from anywhere other than the Bible mm. um, I'm not there specifically in uh, some evangelical conservative traditions. Well, um, yeah, only yeah evangelical conservative traditions. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's fair because yeah. you can have conservative, conservative Catholics, liberal and, Catholics. Yeah, you yeah. can. So that's fair. Conservative evangelical traditions don't like you getting your prayers from anywhere other than the Bible. So they want you to pray the Psalms. Like they don't want you to, they want you to pray Proverbs. They don't want you to pray other things. Me. So like the Anglicans have the common book of prayer. Love it. I'm totally given over that. Like that, that's a gift from the Lord. Um, That helps me praying the hours helps me like those kinds of things. And praying the hours. if, If you guys don't know, um, it's a, a set, um, prayer that you pray in the morning, midday and in the evening. Yep. Um, and everyone else who's praying them is praying the exact same prayer. 
because yep. it, it's specific to the time period that you're in. Yeah, so um, the, the conservative evangelical equivalent would be the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. But, and even in the Didache, so the Didache is an early, um, people struggle on the dating, but probably early 2nd century, so about 110 um, writing, and Didache means teaching. So it's yeah. the teaching of the early church. And in chapter 8, verse 3, we are told to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Now, all of that is to say, contemplatives do not struggle with this. Yes. You constantly find them in prayer. Con- contemplative prayer, adoring God, knowing and just being in this intimate kind of presence and relationship with God. And there's a lot of value to that. And there's a lot oh, about that. Oh, it's immensely valuable. There, there's a lot to that that I'm a bit jealous that I don't have. Yeah, it it's enviable. Yeah. I mean, so Gary uses this, this verse here in Deuteronomy 33 that he says, one of the best descriptions of the role of the contemplative is found in Moses' blessing directed to the tribe of Benjamin. It says, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. It's like, wait, rests between his shoulders? Like you are at a place where you feel so close to God that you rest between his shoulders or you hold hands with God, right? Uh, a more, excuse me, a more common I say more common. It's one that I more identify with because it came from my tradition. It's like that image of Jesus walking on a beach. Oh. Mm-hmm. And you stepping exactly where he the, did. The footprints one, in the yeah, sand poem. One right after the other. That's also a very contemplative thing to do and think about. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good one. And if you haven't read that poem... By all means, go read it. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's good. It's good stuff. For sure. So I think the contemplative, I definitely want you to, if you consistently find yourself in moments of prayer um, and you just feel like in deep adoration and love for God, Mm. I definitely want you to pick up Gary's book because I know we're not doing it justice. No, because it's the one that's the hardest for me. It's just not who I am. But I will say this. If you've ever been to a church without a contemplative, you just know it. Like there's just something about it that you just know. Um, We've been lucky to know a handful of contemplatives in our life. Yeah. And I met one not too long ago. She is the best image of a contemplative ever. Um, because I won't give her away. Um, let's just call her Becky for the sake of this podcast. But Becky would talk about her prayer life. And as she talked about her prayer life, it was enviable Mm. because she kept coming back to this metaphor. She's like, God is our father. 
Yeah. A good father wants to listen to his children. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's absolutely a contemplative. Like, he loves me so much. He wants to listen to anything that I have to say to him. Even if it's wrong, he wants to hear it. So the contemplative is, like, just in love with who God is yeah, as the being that created us, as our Father that loves us and adores him for who he is. Yeah. If that sounds like you, please pick up Gary's book because in the pathways that I am, this was super formative for me, and I want you to experience that, and I know I'm not doing a good job communicating what Gary is talking about. Yeah, go, go, pick, up, um, go pick up Gary's book. Um, and because you brought up, you, you used the name Becky, mm-hmm. I'm going to end it with this for all of our How I Met Your Mother's fans. Boats, boats, boats. Oh! <laughs>